0: To all the wanderers, wanderers, freethinkers, and throwaway kids, welcome to the dumpster fire. Let's, Let's get, get dumpster, dumpster diving. Diamond. We are live, so a little different today. There's no ice in these glasses. We have uh, four chilled glasses, and I don't have any alcohol for today. <laughs> uh,
1: so,
2: uh Catalina.
0: Pale (laughs) Catalina.
2: What are we sipping on today? Alrighty, so we are sipping on today my most favorite whiskey ever. This is Big House Tupelo Honey. It is a uh, bourbon that has been locked up, which is where you get the Big House from, for six years.
0: Awesome. I love
2: that sound. So anybody who knows me knows that I absolutely adore honey whiskey in any shape or form because I love honey. And honey actually leads us into our topic today, which will be about food. 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 Food, glorious food. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have some um, different discussions, thank you, and connections to food and whatnot, but of course... First, we should start with our beverage. So, this is crafted in 2013 by Big House Bourbon and Underdog Spirits. And it's actually made in uh, Lawrenceburg by Lawrenceburg Distillers. Oh, cool. This is going to be a premium rye, corn, and malted barley blend. And it's matured for six years in new charred American white oak barrels. So, we should get some wood notes in this. Oh
0: yeah. Oh, it's very sweet. So...
3: It, 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 ooh, it is. And I'm getting that... Um,
0: it's got a great aftertaste. That
2: after, this. yeah. I'm mm-hmm. getting that, that... That
0: sweet hangs around long enough that it really... Yeah. yeah there's a little so blend of sour on I was one.
2: reading the description about this last night. And I was getting very upset. She was because the description was not right.
1: <laughs> so it says online
2: that you don't get a lot of honey, you don't get a lot of sweetness. I and to yeah. me, there is literally so much of a mouthfeel of just honey. Yeah, yeah it's and almost then it too warms sweet. Warms your yeah. chest very gently, yeah. so you're like, okay, there's probably alcohol. It almost
4: to- yeah. tastes like a hot toddy.
2: Oh, okay. it, it does taste.
4: That. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes it's sense. Very so sour. mixed with honey yeah.
0: in it. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's really good, and I, I feel like uh, um. I'm really uh, forging some new uh, new neural pathways here. Two <laughs> flavored whiskeys in a row. Yeah. Hey. Oh, yeah. I did not know. She uh, Catalina said that she wanted to bring on her goddess beverage, and I told yeah, her that yes. was fine and not to tell me, just to surprises. Yes. So, yes, and I'm
2: I'm so. very very good with surprises. Yes. yes. So this is definitely um, my favorite. It's very hard to find, which I mean, understandably, if mm-hmm. it's like Made in Lawrenceburg and whatnot. Yeah. So, this actually won the best of class Las Vegas 2013, which is when it came out, mm-hmm. Sips Award. Nice. We we've so we've exactly. had it. Another award winner. So, nothing um, but the best for our throwaway
4: kits. What proof is that? It is. Looks like 30, 70 proof, okay. so 35%. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: So, to so me, this kind of compares vodka. really well with other similar um, honey whiskeys. So you have Jack Daniels and Wild Turkey actually came out with the first honey whiskeys. Okay. Um, Which Wild Turkey's is American honey, which I'm a fan of, but Mm -hmm. you don't get like the thick honey flavor like you do with this one. Or or the color, yeah. This is like perfectly honeycomb gold, guys. Like, if you've got a lady that you want her to try some bourbon, highly recommend (laughs) starting with this. I'm really hoping
3: that the color will come out when I take the picture for this week's episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hoping that I am able to capture, you know, the color because I would like to do it justice. Because, like you guys are saying, this is a very beautiful color. It really is.
4: It looks like honey.
2: Mm-hmm. I love it's it. uh, very good. I love it so much. And like we said, guys, these are just chilled glasses. You can also put it on ice. My only caveat to putting this on ice is it's already a very thick yeah. taste and feel in yeah. your mouth and it kind of solidifies almost the colder it gets. So feel free to put it in your freezer, yeah. keep it nice and chill. This is
4: kind of a more of a
2: sipping <laughs> sip and whiskey. <win. laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. Yes. laughs> it's about so, like yes. so. Yeah. All the, it kind of
3: funny that you were, were talking about food today because I was just thinking like watching all the food cooking shows I watch mm-hmm. or you know the like guys grocery games and stuff I could totally see someone picking that up being like I'm going to use this on my pancakes or something you Absolutely. know like make a serve out of this
2: this would be perfect in your tea and whatnot. and I mean I personally do not enjoy rye unless it is rye bread for like a club sandwich I don't enjoy any kind of flavor like that I think to me rye has an almost um, decaying kind of taste yeah
4: it's got a little umami too yeah,
2: yeah. almost it, it's kind of like it's the same reason I don't like mezcal like if somebody pours yeah. mezcal I can find it like across the board <laughs> like who is that you keep them away from me you don't bring that decay down here I don't and like the with mezcal this, huh? with this you don't get it at all this is yeah. a very very nice summer springtime Drink. Yeah. So the goddess Catalina and
3: I are on separate ends of the spectrum because I love rye. Aww. So mm-hmm. don't worry. Anytime there's a rye whiskey port I will gladly take it off your hands. Thank you. And anytime there's something so, obnoxiously sweet, <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm really
0: impressed with everyone's shirt selection today. Oh. Yeah. 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 So why don't
3: you kind of go around and uh, tell the throwaway kids what we got? So absolutely.
0: Justin's in the Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange shirt. Fantastic. Very yeah. nice. We we're actually discussing. Very that good pick. Uh, right. The goddess Catalina. Hell, mm-hmm. Catalina. Hell, <laughs> Catalina. El Catalina. Now we have to drink. She <laughs> has uh, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman. Batman. The trilogy, gold and red. Mm-hmm. Very nice. cute little shirt there. Uh, I nice. think. Uh, Ella might win it Ella because win. she has dinosaurs on her tank top. Yeah, she's got a T. Rex, a Triceratops, and a pterodactyl, and they're they're in, all in, in space, staring at the moon. Yeah, like they're still upset about they're that. Gonna. Yeah. <laughs>
4: do you know what a oh, dinosaur's a least favorite reindeer is? I do not. I know. I know. I know.
0: What is it, Kevin? Comet. Oh, Comet!
2: Oh no. Comet. We are on the same wavelength like today. We got this.
0: And then I'm rounding it out with the uh, amorphous concert shirt. We saw yeah. these guys at Diamond Pub and Billiards. Nice. And, uh, shirt was it's a very originally? well. This is a kind of funny story. I, originally, I bought this shirt for Ella. Yeah. And now it's loose on me. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's very uh, Hindu
4: type art. Yeah. Almost yes. Brahmin. Yeah. Uh, you got the three faces. Uh, uh, three almost, entities.
0: Almost all of their uh, music is based off the Kalevala, and I probably pronounced that wrong. Yeah. But it's they're a really interesting band. One of my favorites. So. That's cool. Speaking of Diamond Pub and Billiards too. That's a place you wouldn't expect to find excellent food, but they do have good food.
4: I worked right across the street from there at uh, Brendan's for uh, uh, probably six years. uh, I've spent a lot of time in uh, Diamonds.
0: Yep. Uh, Certain nachos will always have a a link in my memory now to (laughs) to metal concerts. Uh, Diamond, another random thing is they will let you get a glass, a full glass of craft beer and go mosh in the middle. <laughs> right across the way. Yeah. They just don't care. They said yeah. they've had to stop it a few times because people got unruly, but they always give the privilege back and we, we always respect it. Yes. I love that place. Yeah. The yeah, Props to Diamond, Pub and yeah. Billiards up there. So, uh, Catalina, what did you kind of want to? Where you want to take this food conversation? There's so many ways we can take yes, this.
2: Yes, so I have some extensive notes that I'm going to apologize in advance for because I know we aren't going to touch on everything because, mm-hmm. as I'm sure we can all agree, food is such an incredibly broad um, subject. Yeah. So we're just going to start off at the very beginning with um, everybody's favorite childhood memories with. food food. So I shared a meme with my brother that was, there's something wrong with your childhood if you don't remember having, um, butter cinnamon toast.
4: Yeah. That was one of my favorites.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, what a simple thing to just bring you right back to childhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious if you guys have like, you know, Oh, mom always made this particular meal and it just brings you right back.
4: I have kind of a strange one. My mom made something that I've never seen anyone else ever make, and uh, it's so simple but delicious. Instead of a grilled cheese, I mean, we had grilled cheeses growing up, but she would do in the, uh, sometimes she would do grilled peanut butter sandwiches and dip them in maple syrup. She'd cut them in triangles and we'd dip in maple syrup, and they were absolutely delicious. Did them just like a grilled cheese with the buttered bread and uh, grilled it on both sides, and absolutely delicious. And I actually, I was thinking about mom the other day, and I made myself a grilled peanut butter sandwich Aww. and That's awesome. instantly brought me back. Awesome. Uh, i
2: I'm so impressed. And for anybody who hasn't been on the um, Facebook page and whatnot, Justin is not 400 pounds. So <laughs> I'm really, really impressed by the. Kind of I'm working on, on it. <laughs> I'm trying to get there It's
4: like it's a life goal it's a life
3: goal yeah. I'm really in. working hard to get on my 600. Yeah, line. yeah I have
4: different goals than most. I'm yeah. trying to see how big I can get. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's yeah. Need to get on them anabolics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need to do. I
3: grew up eating grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, did not dip in maple syrup, though, so that is very interesting.
4: So you actually like did grilled peanut butter and jelly as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, we never put jelly on them. It was just grilled peanut butter. But I've never heard of anyone else ever grilled uh, peanut butter I don't know why. I
3: mean, I, I'm thinking it was something that mom probably or dad had one time
4: Well, done, but. I, I've always felt like I grew up kind of poor. My parents were working poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, not a lot of extra. So mom had to be kind of creative in yes. the kitchen with what little yep. we had. Uh, we never were hungry. We never went to bed hungry or wanted for anything. But there was just not a lot of extra. So she had to be pretty creative.
3: My mom is not a classically trained chef by any means, but the stuff that, and I think it comes from necessity, because she was one of 11, so she grew up in poverty. Yep. Yeah, um, Like, well, you know, they didn't own a vehicle, because
4: A, you know, vehicles... What vehicle? What, you know, no, yeah, can't accommodate 11. <laughs> <And, you know, laughs> 11 people. Being 11
3: uh, of them, I mean, their ages, you know, are, are, are kind of vast, so, you know, mom, when she came around, her older siblings were going out of the house and getting married and such, so yeah. like... Um, but they all would have to take turns cooking, you know, we would cook a night. Um, so I think from that poverty and then we, you know, my dad was sick, so we kind of were hurting for money. Um, just that frugalness and that necessity, I think makes some really amazing chefs like
4: I think that's where most food culture stems from, is from necessity. Uh, You look at cultures around the world and their food, and it all stems from what they had available. available. And, uh, I mean, you look at some of the staples across the globe, from rice to, and the differences just in rice. You could spend a lifetime studying rice. Um, And uh, that was what was available in a lot of uh, very impoverished countries for a very long time, so that became a staple. And it's really been mastered. I mean, (laughs) you look at different cultures around the world and they've taken this staple and just elevated it to something
0: else well it's right. kind of like you go to we talked about Italian food, Italian food is fish based mostly, as, yeah, as really coast that's yeah. what my friend's a chef and he said when they went through he was shocked, he's like well it's not pasta at all yeah it's, and it's, it's really fish it's not a
4: lot of pasta and it's not a lot of tomato sauce, that's another yeah. thing uh, we drown <laughs> oh, pasta in tomato sauce and cheese and call it Italian, that's mm-hmm. a very Americanized oh version God, I love that. Yes, me, I, we I, me too we had
2: lasagna the other night actually, very good um, thank you um. So, do you have a specific food that you think of when you? I've got a couple, like so.
3: Uh, oh, right off the idea. bat is beef stroganoff, yep. and it's funny that you mentioned rice because um, my mom made it over rice instead of noodles. Yeah. And um, so beef stroganoff, just love it. Um, very comforting. That's one thing Brian even said too. One time, um, he was like, "Your appetite is very stable." And I was like, what do you mean by that? And it was like, it'll be like, you know, the dead of winter, and you'll eat something, you know, like a hearty beef stroganoff. You were like, but it'll be a hot summer night, and you'll literally sit down <laughs> and eat a big hearty thing of beef stroganoff. Yeah. And it was like, the, the, the temperatures don't really affect your appetite like that. And yeah. um, the other thing is deep dish pizza. So we made it in a casserole dish. Yeah. So family pizza night. And again, it was, I think, kind of, you know, we were poor, but um, we would cook it in the casserole dish. And Everybody got their own little section of it, so like we get a little strip. So, like, deep dish pizza, like made in the casserole pan, just takes me
0: right back. Yeah, Yeah. and her mom later owned uh, the best pizza joint in our town. Really, yeah, she was calling her a big head. Really, yeah, I think think that's that's the (laughs) undisputed champ. Yeah, definitely.
2: Brian, what's yours?
0: Uh, so mine's a little more mixed up, like, I have one memory that's I don't think it's great because my mom was a little weird and she would make these like vats of food and then be like, kids, fend for yourself. Small cauldrons. Uh, So she made uh, all the time chicken and dumplings and I remember that and she made vegetable soup. Her vegetable soup was actually really good, but that's not really a staple you should be surviving off of. Then later on, I've, I've talked before, I'm actually, I call myself dual class. We went from having a lot. My dad was a physical therapist. He made a lot of money to literally heating the house with a stove and not being able to afford food for a while in my early teenage years. But this is the strangest thing. What sticks out to me is I would make stovetop dressing. It was dirt cheap. I'd make it in the microwave. Yeah. And uh, I remember eating that with my sister a ton. And that, to this day, I love stovetop dressing.
2: Nice. So mine, as far as um, childhood, what I remember from my parents, which it's kind of cracking me up because three out of the four of us all have a childhood food memory that is a traditional food prepared in an untraditional way. So mine would be um, sausage and gravy, which everybody's like, oh, well, obviously, and with biscuits, right?
1: Nope. (laughs) Uh,
2: Baby shell pasta with sausage and gravy. That sounds delicious. (laughs) So (laughs) so, so this is like one of my absolute favorite things. So first of all, my mom was, um, I come from a farm family and whatnot, so everything was very, very locally sourced and whatnot. And she did a really good job of, you know, not only do you brown the meat, but you want to get that sear on it. That individual crunchy pieces. Mm -hmm. You have different layers of texture. We were next to an Italian town that actually did their own sausage, their own Italian blend sausage, which oh, that's was amazing. amazing. You walk yeah. into the IGA and you can just smell Italian yeah. seasoning. And I'm like, this yeah. is where I'm supposed to live the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. Um, so she would make sausage and gravy in the traditional way, but instead of biscuits, she would use pasta. Because when you think about it from a lower income point of view pasta is one of those foods that we can take we can buy in bulk we can mm-hmm. make in bulk yeah and it lasts forever mm-hmm. yep, biscuits yeah. especially pre-made biscuits are very expensive
4: yeah and they don't last nearly don't as long well. exactly yeah. so
2: and I mean we were mostly like a meat and potatoes kind of house yeah so we would have that for dinner instead of um, spaghetti yeah okay and I mean you can't get anything better than baby shell pasta it's just happiness in your mind i mean if you think about it in
3: a way like you know it's it's a gravy it's a sauce i mean it's it's exactly I mean, it's like, it is a very
0: close sauce. to uh I mean, yeah. actual italian well, but dish yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm confused here you prefer <clears throat> the standard macaroni and cheese over shell? oh i'm
2: so glad that you brought that up so that was going to be my next one which also i appreciate your guys's enthusiasm right. for the uh, pasta with the sausage and gravy because i've gotten a lot of judgment. <laughs> no <laughs> no judgment, no judgment and I'm like I don't like soggy bread so why yeah. like, give me a biscuit with honey on it and yeah. I will mm-hmm. eat your sausage Delicious. and gravy yeah. do not mix the two together yeah. so I'm glad you brought up the mac and cheese because that's the, the other one I was going to touch on yeah. so um, I am blue box champ
1: <laughs> if it's
2: not craft I don't want it
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that was one of the first meals I remember I was able to make for myself so yeah. I would yeah get off the school bus, come home. Um mom would most likely be home and I could make myself a whole saucepan and whatnot of mac and cheese. We'll talk about like eating issues later. Eat the whole thing. Yeah. And then I would go meet up with family out in the fields or be outside the rest of the day, you know, picking berries. Mm-hmm. weed eating, like, doing something very, very manual. And it's like, to me, I looked at Kraft macaroni and cheese as a snack.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And it's then I went to food. college, and yeah. I'm, like, looking at, went to nursing school and whatnot, and I'm looking at these boxes, and I'm looking at serving sizes, <laughs> and I'm looking at, like, people who use macaroni and cheese as a side yeah. and one cup as a serving, yeah. and I'm like, Oh hey this yeah. explains so much.
4: I think yeah. most college kids though have made a meal of mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. I mean when you're broke a book it's uh book that,
3: um, is all about ramen. Yeah, so it's trying to kind of like yes. diversify the. Ramen. And it's funny. Mm-hmm.
4: That's one thing from my childhood that I cannot stand. I love actual ramen from an actual restaurant, but uh, I cannot stand the little.
1: Forty-seven cent. Yeah, you can't
4: do it uh, it. Uh, yeah, I can't yeah. stand it. It's the powdered flavor. Like I will so just discuss
2: flavor when i do it i will get actual i think it's called better than bouillon yeah uh, yeah and it's like yeah. yeah. the that cream bridge. and put that in i spice mine up yeah. so it's ridiculous but yeah. mac and cheese so to this day yeah. that is my go-to drunk food <laughs> and i'm like looking at this overarching bridge of okay you started eating this when like You were barely old enough to use a stove, and that's still your, hey, I've been drinking, I need to eat something. Comfort Mm -hmm. food. Yeah. Well,
3: and for me, it's got to be the powder. The cheese has got to be in powder form. Um, So I actually didn't like mac and cheese probably until my mid-20s. Couldn't stand it. Didn't like mac and cheese. When I would, it was the very, you know, I call it my welfare mac and cheese. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't like (laughs) shells and cheese. Brian will buy. He'll want, like... The Velveeta and it's like the shells and like that. And I'm like, I can't stand that. Like, even to this day. So if I do eat mac and cheese, it is welfare mac and cheese. And I love it. But it went into my mid-twenties, so I could eat mac and
2: cheese. Yeah. Really. So Ellen and I have almost gotten uh, in a fight with other people who will remain unnamed over which is the better mac and cheese. <laughs> and my argument will always be, your Velveeta, oh, it's so creamy. Okay, that's cool. It's shelf Stable, okay? Yeah. That is non aerosolized cheese whiz. That yeah, you are putting on <laughs> it's technically a plastic. Do you know what yeah. Kraft says? Kraft says add milk, a real product. Yeah. Add butter, An a real product. Actual dairy. Exactly. So yeah. I'm like, sorry, but it's the better mac and cheese. I
4: only I like mac and is. cheese that's made from scratch, personally. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, there I there really want seven is. kinds right. of cheese and pork belly in it. Oh, so.
1: oh. Yes, okay.
3: Um, we did our chef i believe i, I tasted some pepper jack in there mm-hmm. it was really good strong white cheddar mm-hmm. so Shout out to a uh, chef Rocky. yeah i chef am Rock. Uh, growing in my tastes here
0: yeah and he will be on the show eventually absolutely there it was potential for him to be here tonight which would have made a, a round table that would've which would have been, been our first but yeah mm-hmm. Worked well, out we're like just
1: going to have to talk like about this. food another time
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, especially this is since he's I so would so like later
4: When we actually can get some chefs Nash said he would be happy to come That'd on That would be amazing um, That table of chefs we, we actually Everybody talk about the food, food industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> we should make them says, all bring I foods. All food. I am all about food. I'm also not yeah. 400 pounds, so I am also all about food. Yeah. The away
3: Kids, this is how evil we are. We're going to have chefs come and we're going to describe this amazing food that you're going to hear us. <laughs> talk oh, there will about
0: be pictures. Yeah. Oh, and we're going we'll
2: to uh, We're working on installing Smell Vision right now. Okay. Yeah, it's we're a new really thing.
4: Hard Concept art. So, uh, we're just yeah, the team. when I was in college going to massage therapy school, I lived with. Uh Three culinary students. Oh, uh, oh, I gained about done. thirty pounds in two years <laughs> uh, because they were con- they were constantly bringing their homework home. Uh, there were some interesting exper- uh, experiments going on. Uh, have any of you been to Jungle Gyms oh, in yeah, Cincinnati? Uh, uh, that's one of my favorite places on the planet. And the three culinary students I worked with or uh, lived with, rather, uh, they all, per their school loans, would get a. R- get a rent stipend uh, Uh through their loans every three months and it never went to rent it went to jungle gym so we would go and blow three thousand dollars in jungle
0: gym you you can do that pretty quick there yeah Uh, uh, the
4: worst experiment was dorian fruit Do you guys know what this is it's It's the yeah it predates bee pollination so it wants to attract flies so it, everything about this fruit says, do not eat me. It's a small ball of spikes. And you have to use a hammer. You have to cut the spikes down and then use a hammer to crack it open. What? Once you do, okay. the guts uh, are the consistency of pumpkin. And they smell like rot- rotting flesh. We each took a bite, Mm
1: -hmm. and
4: uh, (laughs) then our apartment smelled like rotting flesh for three days, and uh, we were done with it. I applaud
3: you for trying that, though, because um, I am not as brave as I would like to be, Um, and I have some food aversion. A horrible memory linked to food in my childhood was my dad made orange roughy which I don't really know what that is to this day, really. It's, fish. Not, it's a fish. Um, it's not a
0: great fish. It's a deep-sea yeah. fish. But and it's, so, like, slime fish. I
3: don't know yeah. what, why Dad made it. He did. Did not... Uh, even the smell. I remember the smell of the fish. Didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and I remember sitting at the table, and my parents being, you know, the kind of parents they are, they're great parents, but it was, you're not leaving this table until you eat that. We mm. can't afford to fix you something else. I mean, yeah. I respect that. I very much respect how they raised me, but... I literally puked on the table, like, puked mm-hmm. on the plate, and I do not, to this day, I've gone to Florida, I've tried crab, um, and I should like it. She did, did like awesome.
2: It. She tried three different kinds of crabs, so it doesn't matter how old you are, you can try new things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't
3: yeah. like the one that was, which one, I think the most expensive crab, right? Because it was the most I believe salty.
2: it was, um, the... Dungeness crab. Okay. I'm gonna say. So the two so I like. So crab liked. is very sweet. Yes. And then we also had um, king crab, which is very salty. Yeah. And then it was Dungeness crab. And I did not enjoy that one.
4: I love all three. Uh, Crab's one well, of my favorites. I, I yeah,
2: a, yes. I had a, um, what was it? It was a crab. Platter for, for two, two yes. which ended up being three pounds of crab, uh-huh. and they tried to set I it down. Them. So uh, we went on a friends' vacation together, and they tried to sit it down between Brian and I. Yeah, and, yeah. and I will always sit in the middle of everyone because I am always so cold. So yeah. I picked the two strongest people, and I will sit yeah. between them for
1: safety.
2: And yeah. <laughs> Maslow was absolutely right. So this waiter tried to sit down between us, and I, like, actively day. sea ottered and dragged the plate across <laughs> the table. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not for shares. This yeah. is for me. And this yeah. guy looked at me like I was insane. And then you finished every like bit of
4: insane. it, did you? <laughs> and
3: then he watched me, crap me, and I was like... Well, okay. and it's not only that. It's that um, Catalina, <laughs> the goddess, does not require the, the tools yeah. that most people get with, with yeah. the crab. Oh, I about that, yeah. So <laughs> it was actually... Amazing to watch her eat it because it was she was basically like just devastatingly beautifully lethal. Yeah, eating the crab. So just yeah, that's I think the only way to describe it is beautifully lethal when
4: she eats I, that crab. I have a funny uh, the taste the of crunchers. seafood I uh, a story. I had a friend. Um, she she was a friend and a massage client that she was she was half Korean half uh, Italian Um, and uh, her father was Korean. He ran one of the best sushi restaurants I've ever been to. So she grew up in a sushi restaurant Mm -hmm. and hated seafood with a passion. Despised it. Well, we would always bug her into taking us to the restaurant so we could get free sushi. (laughs) Well, one day Mm -hmm. we're walking around and we're like let's go get free sushi. She's like ah, really guys? Yeah. So we go and she tells her dad, who's very Korean, And she's like, Dad, I want something to eat. I'm starving, but no seafood. No seafood. They want sushi, but no seafood for me. Just make me something. Some rice or something. Mm He comes back with this soup for her and sushi rolls for us. We're in heaven eating our sushi rolls. Right. She, and Koreans typically drink their soup. Yeah. She takes a huge sip of this soup. We've been walking around all day hiking and stuff, so she's very hungry. She takes a big sip of this soup and spits it all over oh. us. She was like, Dad, I said no seafood. He's like, Oh, no su- seafood. I strain it all out. It was literally <laughs> seafood soup. Oh, <laughs> he God. just strained it. It's- <laughs> It was literally seafood broth. It was fantastic. So
2: one of my very best friends in the whole wide world, um, I'm going to refer to her as Emery because I have not asked her permission to say her name on the podcast. I knew that she was my bestest friend in the whole wide world because... She basically almost gets nauseated around the smell of seafood. Yeah. Can't do it, can't handle it. We went to a seafood festival together. Oh, my God. She, like, followed me around (laughs) as a bestie. And um, I convinced her in her car that we drove down to Florida to drive to a fish shop to buy crab legs that they steam there. They put them in a plastic bag put this fresh steamed crab leg bag in her car, drove it back to where we were staying, and she watched me eat crab legs, and her whole car smelled like crab legs, and I I apologized and appreciated her so much, and I'm like if you want a true litmus test of a good friend, it's someone who will never judge you, who will support you in all the things you want to do, yes. and understand that you're a sea otter, and try not to throw yeah. up off
4: the belt. What a yeah. great
2: friend,
3: that makes me happy. She's a yeah, star, yeah, That's nervous. fantastic. Um, so, speaking of sushi, that is something I'm broadening my horizons and actually trying more of, um, and I'm mm-hmm. getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon King's daughter, Gominny Albany, Jeffersonville,
4: there's one in the there. Highlands as well. Um, it's New Albany. Like in
1: Ireland?
4: Uh, no, the Highlands of Louisville. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> it's like the on, It's, like, it's <laughs> like the hippie kid part of town. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah like, yeah. you
1: went to Ireland and you got sushi? <laughs> no. You're going to have to yeah.
3: tell your friend um, that they have this. Uh, they have the
4: T-bird and something else. So they've actually got a chicken sushi and yeah. steak sushi. Yeah, yeah. I've, had I've had both. So uh, she
2: does veggie uh, sushi all okay. the time, and I'm also learning more about yes. sushi because there is an amazing sushi restaurant where I'm currently working. Yeah. But I've actually been with my brother, which, you know, you think you can't learn anything from your younger siblings, yeah. and I finally admitted defeat. I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to go, I'm going to try things, you're yeah. going to love me, you're going to buy me cocktails, and you're going to make sure that I get what I actually need to experience instead yeah. of, you know, when it out, grab a friend, grab a neighbor, grab somebody who knows something about yeah. what it is you're interested mm-hmm. in, and let them lead you down that path of yeah. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So Expand I had ceviche for the first time I love in cibiche. my life, and it was pineapple based. Oh, no. And they had mango, wow. and it was yeah. the most uh, sushi sushi umi yep. in yep. Terre Haute, Indiana. One of the best sushi restaurants in the U.S. I really hoped that it burned down, and I retract that statement. Yes. So I had a really so bad experience, real? but it was—it your was, personal growth. It was amazing, and the sushi was good. And anybody who enjoys fish just in general I highly recommend you try sushi because what you're really getting is still that fish flavor you Mm -hmm. might almost get kind of a multivitamin taste I would Mm -hmm. say like Mm -hmm. kind of minerally salinity and then it's such an interesting texture.
4: Well that's the whole idea of uh, sushi is a textural experience that's one of the And it's one of the most important parts of Japanese cooking is multiple textures. And the idea of umami, the sixth taste, which is the precipice between ripe and raw. It's eating foods when they are at their most perfect. And uh, I think that's a beautiful idea and a beautiful way to approach uh, food. But uh, I've had some amazing sushi experiences. There's actually one that I would never recommend to anyone <laughs> prior to having it myself. Okay. It's called Moyashis. It's in Hanover, in Indiana. I literally. It's a house. It's literally I a house. I couldn't find it when I looked uh, oh It gosh. is literally a house with a big banner on the side that says Moyashi. It sits eight. And you're probably setting with strangers. Um, it is the girl who runs it. Um, she is a self-proclaimed redneck, so it is redneck sushi. Uh, she actually trained in Japan for four years, though. Uh, she is not fucking about. It yep. is top-of-the-line sushi. She drives down to Louisville every morning and has her all of her tuna, all of her crab flown in fresh every morning. Um, she, like it's amazing. <laughs> and the biggest sushi rolls I have ever seen, period. I'm like, n- or uh, that big around, that long. I okay. swear. Stick and long. Yeah. Bit, which Thick I regret saying. <laughs> <laughs> so much, Ladies. Stick you know? and long. I'm not that good kind of professional. I promise. I'm not that good. I, goddess, that I you- promise. I found that you can make any statement creepy If you just say ladies afterwards If you just say, hello, ladies <laughs> 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 you know, I, I, think, I think we found the new intro for the podcast so Hello,
1: ladies I don't, numbers, I don't know why our numbers shot up
4: so high <laughs>
3: So, what is the name of that place again? Yeah. Moyashis. Moyashis. So, uh, Throwaway Kids, I think if you can get down to Hanover, Indiana, definitely throw them some love. Um, yeah.
4: It sounds like... They're amazing. Yeah, I, like cannot I cannot recommend it enough. I cannot recommend it enough. I've actually had... Uh, you may have heard of Yero, the uh, very famous sushi chef out of uh, New York. He has an interesting, interesting story. There's been documentaries on him. There was actually a graphic novel written about him by oh, wow. Anthony Bourdain. Um, he... He came to fame in the 80s, and man, I believe we were in Manhattan. Yeah, it was Manhattan, and there's no sign to his store, it is literally below street level. You walk down the stairs oh, to walk in, cool. and that's it is cool. tiny. I mean, it seats maybe 12, but you pay hundreds of dollars and you eat whatever he puts in front of you. He it's an hours long experience, and he literally I've never seen someone uh, so um, passionate passionate but skilled his skill with a knife i mean he is literally cutting paper these bluefin tunas he can butcher a tuna in seconds and these are literally 30 and 40 thousand dollar fish i mean they're 300 plus pounds and he is literally cutting paper thin strips off of this fish and rolling them and it is it's something else but it uh, an interesting thing about your is that uh In the 80s, during the height of the Yakuza and the Triad, which is uh, Chinese, then Japanese uh, mafia, that was the only place they weren't allowed to kill each other. On the oh, planet wow. oh, was inside sense. of Euros. Wow. They yes, yeah, <laughs> it don't was agree. hallowed like ground. Of, like, he he yeah, uh, he was. I uh,
2: if he actually had to do it, or if it was just mutually. I think it was paid. just. This is, this is
4: perfection, spot. and this is, this is perfection, and we don't want to destroy that or disrespect right. him. Which makes sense when you think about. Uh, like he Euro election. actually yeah. in the documentary. It's uh, Euro Dreams of uh, Blood and Sushi, I believe is the name of it. But he he talks about. Uh, his, his essentially, sensei that trained him to uh, make sushi made him spend almost 20 years on rice alone mm-hmm. before he could even touch the protein. That's how seriously they take uh, this art form, and it truly mm-hmm. is an art form. Yep. You watch this man with a, uh, a knife, and it, you're just mind-blown. I mean, you can literally th- see through the strips of tuna. Uh, so uh, well. And, I mean, the most perfect... Uh, cut of fish you've ever seen in your life I mean these bluefin tuna are literally thirty and $40,000 now
2: what that ship is how do you spell it
4: J-I-R-O and okay. just put dreams of sushi it'll bring up All kinds of stuff. I know
2: exactly what you're referencing, and I never got around to watching it, which is... It's
4: uh, absolutely uh, brilliant. Really open your uh, horizons about the culture of sushi and, like, especially how the culture of sushi made it to the United States. And a lot of people credit Euros for that because uh, he was just such a master. He was really one of the first masters to take up residence in the United States. Um, He's a awesome. brilliant brilliant guy. He was in his 80s when I ate his sushi and oh, wow. yeah and just so deft with a knife. Uh, it just as I could watch that man cut fish all day. <laughs> he was Sounds just like, he was amazing. True so I had
2: a, an experience. It was not um, watching someone prepare food necessarily. But it was kind of the same thing as far as knife skill and whatnot. So I went um, somewhat deep sea fishing. Yeah. And when you get off the boat, a lot of times these guys are like, hey, pay me like a quarter of fish or something like that and I'll fillet your fish. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, since I need my fingers for my job, yeah. Mom, those and you people
4: are this, amazing. I just, I, I sat Literally next to, like I just this. sat yeah. next
2: to the pelican. Who yeah. was like, maybe he'll throw me something? I'm like, exactly. I just yeah. want to sit here and watch this. Yeah. And it's it's that whole idea of you will find people in life that are just exceptionally good at something.
1: Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And you don't need to contribute in any way shape or form other than just giving them that feedback of oh my gosh what you did is amazing
4: yeah giving them that space to just be great we (laughs) went
2: on was it swoops yes swoops
4: yep
3: so we went deep sea fishing down in that was in destin Mm -hmm. um and this little bronzed beauty of a man oh my gosh he had to have been (laughs) early 20s like very inappropriate. I was just like swooning over this mm-hmm. young person. <laughs> he had never
0: worn a shirt. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean no. just
3: beautifully sun kissed yeah. bronze skin mm-hmm. and again just Looked master like, flaying those fish for us. And mm-hmm. of course I'm just
2: like yeah. competence yeah. is Sexy.
4: I, I think confidence and competence are two of the se- most sexy attributes Definitely. from either sex. Um And they both begin
2: with C. what <laughs> yeah. else begins with C? <laughs> the goddess Catalina. Hell, <laughs> Catalina. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening, take a drink. Oh. Not if you're driving to no. work,
3: obviously. Ha- has
4: <laughs> any, any of you all been course course to course. uh San Francisco? I'm not telling
3: anybody. Uh no, I am not. Uh, I've been to
4: a, L.A. It's a beautiful, beautiful city, would not it? cities i've ever been to besides tokyo but uh in san francisco my favorite part of the entire trip i went with a friend that's a lawyer she was doing uh they do the american conference on justice in a different city every mm-hmm. year okay. and they had it in san francisco and i'd never been to california at that point point. and she was like let's make a vacation of it i gotta spend three days but also, you take a yeah, week off i'll take absolutely. a week off we'll explore um san francisco and uh, my favorite part was getting up super early like four thirty, five a.m and walking down to the docks and watching them bring the fish in yeah, and you, guys, you literally see the fishmongers. these guys mm-hmm. without looking are throwing 50 and 60 pound fish to the next guy who's 20 feet away and the he's not even fish. looking yeah they're ju- they're communicating without a sound I mean it yeah. was just and you see these small Asian men with uh, hand carts hand trucks that are stacked 10 feet Oh, one, wow. high and ten feet out mm-hmm. and you can't even see the guy until <laughs> <Right, laughs> um, right. he turns and you're like oh there's a four foot man behind it, all that exactly And, like and that. Uh, it's just amazing because it just comes to life all at once mm-hmm. it's like one minute the city is completely stil- still and silent all you can hear is the ocean and the birds and then all oh, of a sudden wow. it, there's just trucks and people everywhere And it was Wait, very similar <laughs> it was it very, very similar
3: well, so I've been to L.A., and thank I was able to take that trip because of a friend, um, doing surrogacy. I'm so thankful that she took me along. Um, and it's, I know we're not necessarily getting into the restaurant industry in this podcast. That's a later one. But one thing that I found odd, um, here in the Midwest, restaurants seem to be pretty big. Like, your mom and pops, your diners tend to be smaller, you know. well, yeah. But, like, you know, they just built a Texas Roadhouse in Columbus that is you know, double the size of the last one. I mean, like, it yeah, fit a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We were going into these restaurants in LA that are basically it seems like the size of our living room yeah. kitchen area, yeah. and it was very small. Um, and I was just like, I just wasn't expecting that. But then you think real estate, you know, if you're on a city yeah. block in Los Angeles, you know, you're
4: spending don't millions. Have a lot of real estate available, yeah. so
3: you use what you can. So, use what you got. I'm literally going into a restaurant with these people, and They were very gracious um, because we got a stipend um, and they were still buying our food for us. Um, They were very gracious people. Um, I went to one restaurant that I think had like eight tables, and I was just like, oh my goodness, like, I'm used to. 120 tables in a restaurant you know yeah um, so that was something I found very odd was just these big cities these small restaurants
4: yeah yeah that's a uh, pretty common in most of the cities I've been to and uh, when you travel outside the United States that's one of the first things I noticed was we're so used to personal space mm-hmm. um, a lot of countries don't require that they don't it's not even yeah yeah it's a cultural thing uh, we believe in our three foot so when we go and dine especially something you need to protect your food yeah yeah Yeah. so we like like to have tons of space and only sit with uh, people that we know and stuff mm-hmm. and that's just not how it's done in a lot of countries. You're going to sit with strangers when you eat and you're going to be elbow to elbow and there I think there's something beautiful there's a potential for something beautiful in that um, because uh, you're being forced in interactions with mm-hmm. people you may
3: not I have met like that and so when you had said um, going to that restaurant in Hanover you might sit with people you don't know yeah um, we had an experience at Hooters. Uh, to watch a fight. Um, and, of mm-hmm. course, hours-long wait, and we're just begging to get a table. And they kind of looked over us and said something. And this other, I think it was two couples and a child, and they were like, do you guys want to sit with us? Like, they were trying to basically say, we can we can sit a party of, like, eight or 12. And it was like, you've got all of us here, but we just sat with strangers at a table to yep. get a table.
0: Yeah, and it was it turned like, out thank awesome. you. It was yeah. awesome. So, yeah. which brought brings that us
2: out. to, like, um, as far as, food with culture, food with connection, mm-hmm. and we even saw it when we went to Florida, so there is this very amazing breakfast spot that we aren't going to mention because we went there four times, and uh, <laughs> we don't want anybody else to go there, so yeah. <laughs> you really want to know, you have to private message, yeah. um, but you have to stand in line to get in, Yeah, and it was interesting to me because, like, I'm not a people watcher, I'm a situation watcher, Yeah. Um, and obviously, like Ella and I have talked about this, like heightened states of awareness, depending yeah. on trauma like, response. Trauma is, everybody yeah, has, um, everybody has trauma. Right? Yeah. Like everybody yeah. has trauma. It's
4: ubiquitous. So,
2: ours is definitely hypervigilance. Yeah. So, reading people, reading the um, stress of the situation, the mood of the situation, or yes. escalating and whatnot. And one of the biggest things with people and food, obviously, depending on how hungry people are is lines. So if you are in line and you perceive someone to cut you, you will cut them. Like it's a very well established fact. Yeah. So I think it kind of relates back to our um, higher brain functioning as a human being to Mm -hmm. say hey I'm in this line for food but this line is stretching on forever and here are these people that need to get to the other side of the line. Like just walk through. Yeah. So it's like the decent human being thing to do is be like, hey, walk in front of me because I don't want you to walk behind me because you might attack me. But walk in front of me. I can help protect you. I can ensure that you will be safe passing through this line. You will get where you need to go. And I am not so ravenous because I know there's not actually food scarcity. Yeah. Food time elapse. Yeah. That you allow that person to pass through. And that's Mm. part of where we have our societal norms because a lion wouldn't do that. No. Like even cats, dogs, deer won't do that. Yeah. Because they see, oh, you're moving forward in line. No, it's it's lateral. Yeah. I'm just trying to get through the line. Yeah. yeah. Because my family's on the other but in, side. In in
4: nature it's all about protecting your food. And exactly.
2: Uh, and depending on how hungry human beings are you will see uh, there,
4: that as well. There's literally uh, more and more science coming out about being hungry. Um, it's yeah. a real thing. Uh, oh, pe- it's true. I've pe- seen are- it dragon. used <laughs> yeah. yeah. have seen it. <clears throat> anyone that to- interrupts you when you're hungry and someone interrupts your path towards food, it's uh, you can't be fully held responsible for what happens right. next. Well, it- I, don't
3: know. So, like, I don't want to make it seem like my parents were bad parents. They were not bad parents at all and I never went to bed hungry but I think my parents made sure we were I oh, don't know they made sure we were but like we were aware that like you know we were struggling at times you know dad was mm-hmm. sick you know we only had one income which was mom um, dad wanted to work he couldn't because of his disability so it was we knew like times were tough um, yeah. it was never I don't know so anyway that perceived thought of going hungry has always been in my mind so like sometimes I'll notice if we're sitting down to eat, and, like, Brian's like, oh, I'm like, oh, you can try this. And if he eats too much, like, if he tries too much of my food, I will instantly just kind of, this is my spouse. I've been with him for 17 years. Yeah. If he takes one too many pieces of General so chicken, I'm like, I might not, you know, like, I'm not okay with that. I need that, you know. It, my feels, it feels almost uh, like a... Sprite.
4: I'm, not a, yeah. I'm <laughs> not a sharer when it comes to my plate of food. I don't order something I don't play in the devour. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. uh, my brother, actually, for Valentine's Day... Uh, Last Valentine's Day, I uh, made a uh, a dinner special called "My Girlfriend's Not Hungry," and it literally had double fries and a half a burger that came with the the regular meal. That's oh. uh, so pretty what funny. We're hearing is um, you know,
2: ladies, if you're listening, just
4: be up yeah, front and honest. just order. <laughs> we're all
2: human Yeah, we all uh, most
4: men appreciate just. a good appetite. Absolutely, um, and the I know others,
2: I do. Yeah, so
1: so
4: what uh, one of my going? favorite things oh, of all times uh watching uh, watching a woman eat every woman I've ever uh, been romantically involved with at some point will get angry but once you feed her she <laughs> wiggles and smiles and it's spirit. it's a beautiful thing to watch <laughs> it truly is as a, as a man that's one if of my you favorite don't dance moments with that kind of like yeah. First bite of food
3: there's something wrong with you <laughs> if you don't do the the oh yeah. my oh, god yeah. I finally
2: got food dance oh, like yeah I'm Absolutely, And I mean, I feel like that's even going to move this topic along because I feel really called out right now (laughs) about my excitement with food, even like when we were at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So I saw this online and I had like six of my friends send this to me and they were like, this is you. And it's this woman talking about how, what do you mean you guys don't look up the restaurant you're going to and you don't know them? And I'm like... Uh, yeah. yeah, I want to know where we're going. I want to know when we're going. I <laughs> yeah. want to know what their chef special is. Yeah. I'm going to look at everything. I'm going to have my cocktail picked out. Too I'm going to have the appetizer <laughs> picked out. If I do not, yeah. then I don't care about this situation. Really? And um, You have
4: to be all the way invested or way invest. not at all. Because yeah.
2: food, we are so incredibly blessed to live in the time we live in with um, food manufacturing and distribution yeah. Yeah. and also the availability of so many different kinds of food The that variety that the we have
4: access to is insane
2: like You, Our first world problem is literally what do you want to eat tonight? I don't know That's right, you don't right. know I don't know if you uh, want to eat well
4: this, this is the thing, I've cracked the code uh, Every Buckle woman down. that says down, uh, says that uh, I don't know what I want to eat is lying. They, they know exactly, exactly what they want. they want. They The problem is they want five things from five different restaurants. Mm-hmm. They want fries oh, from this place. They want a sandwich from this place. But they really want ice cream from this place. So what I've learned, this is what you say. Say, guess where I'm taking you. And whatever they first say, that's what they want the most. And then you say, that's right. Oh How'd you gosh. guess? And problem solved. So <laughs> Brian used to write do that. that.
3: Down. <laughs> write that down, guys. It will save you a lot of heartache in the future. Brian used to do that working with um, Our foster youth, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of times you know they don't want to make that decision type thing, um, or you know you get the teenage girl like where would you like to go, oh I don't know, yeah. you know, and they they know that you know you're going to be paying this and that, but Brian would just flat out get in the car with them and say like, do you want McDonald's or Wendy's? Like yeah. he would just flat out to, just like, give them a choice, two, the choices, and you
4: know. that
3: would they would pick.
4: Yeah, well that that sounds like it was a cultural or not a culture, a confidence thing and you're Mm -hmm. you were considered an authority figure and stuff like that. So there's a lot that you
2: can get that in a relationship that's true. Because like I don't especially in a a very single person speaking from a single person perspective, it's like I know what I want to eat. I know what I don't want to eat and I know what I'm willing to pay for. But I don't want to step on your toes and say, I wanna eat here and you go oh my gosh, this chick is going to eat two full slabs of ribs, <laughs> You don't want potato, the judgment that may him with it. And I'm like, I don't expect you to pay for it, which I feel like is a cultural thing that we need to change. Like, yeah. if you want to be the one that is eating the most expensive food, be the person willing to pay for it. Because oh, yeah. I never you go to a right. restaurant and say, I'm expecting you to pay for this. I yeah. will pick what I want to eat. Because that's what I want to eat, and if I have to pay for it, yeah.
4: I'm cool with that. And I think everyone should just stop judging each other around food. Period. Um, I mean, this is coming from a person that literally eats like a child. <laughs> I throw Go food. At my, I throw food at my face, and whatever lands in the hole, that's what I eat. <laughs> um, I actually, one of my close friends, several years ago, took me to Queen Ashiba, which is Ethiopian food. And if you've never had the pleasure, it's very odd. My first reaction was, "They have food in Ethiopia?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm <laughs> sure have been told since elementary school. Yeah. yeah. Well, so um, right.
4: it's, uh, I believe it's SOGS and Vegas. It's stewed vegetables, stewed meat. That's the only thing on the menu. And you have a list of stewed meats, list of stewed vegetables. And they're all in very uh, spicy, uh, tons of herbs and spices, sauces, uh, thick sauces. Um, so you just order a handful of each, and they bring it out in a huge silver platter with a. I may get this wrong. With a spongy bread, uh, with a spongy bread um, <laughs> covering the platter, and the food's on top of the spongy bread. The spongy bread is called Nanjari. and that is literally your silverware. You don't get silverware. What? You're handed a bread roll is of. Silverware? It's a that very spongy. All my life. It's almost like a. Almost like a sour cake, almost, but it's very pliable, and you tear off pieces of it and just grab what from whatever pile you want to grab okay. from. Well, during the meal, uh, my friend looks at me and she's like, "Justin, you're a handsome enough guy. You're, uh, you're smart. You're funny." never take a woman to eat for your first date, and then proceeds to wipe sauce from my <laughs> ear.
1: <laughs>
4: oh, no. She's like doing no. the, the spit napkin mom oh. thing, like scrubbing my face. Oh my
0: goodness. Uh, so i will tell you this. My mom,
3: um, uh, basically, I was an adult. Uh, we went over, I want to say it was for like a, a, a get-together or like a Thanksgiving or something, And we go to clear the table Mom was like Oh there's Ella's spot She's like you've been the same Since you were a kid She was like The messiest spot at the table Is where you were sitting Because I just had food everywhere And I'm just like I'm excited man Like I dig in Me
4: too I dig in
3: Yeah, like, I've always, my mom even said, like, I was always kind of, like, early to bed, early to rise, and I wanted food the minute I woke up.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, and there's no shame to, like, being the messiest eater. So, these two and a select few individuals um, in my life have seen me, as we've talked about previously in this episode, eat crab legs. Yeah. So, I do not use the claw cracker. I do not use the tiny fork. None of it. I literally just use my hands. And I am That's awesome. talking, cracking crab, and just going to town. Yeah, and I do not care that I have, you know, crab meat. Yeah. In my décolletage. <laughs>
1: yeah. I
2: do not care that my hands are completely yeah. saturated with the smell of the ocean. Uh, and I do not care about the carbs that they serve with the yeah. seafood because I am here for the seafood. Yeah. And I get so offended when yeah. like, they sit down and they're like, oh, here's the bread basket. And I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I come from the bread basket yeah. in the Midwest. <laughs> right. I do not no. need to yeah. come yeah. to a coastline yeah. and yeah. Bread. I, I don't need bread. And it's a fully immersive experience in my opinion. Yeah. And it is that... You are getting multiple senses all together. So you are touching your food. Yeah. You are working for your food. Yeah. And you are getting that payoff of the joy of the taste of the food. I story.
4: think that's one of the wonderful things about crab legs is the overall experience. Um, because you are working for food and we're not used to that experience. That's not an everyday thing for most of us. Most of us eat as easily as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, yeah. I think uh, that's an interesting aspect to it. Well, uh, people so,
2: get
3: offended if yeah. they have to work for their yeah. So weird. Well, it's like those memes. It's like I'm screwed if the apocalypse happens. It's like I don't even know where Wild Tacos are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's
0: the it's the culture we have now. It's everything is uh, disposable. Everything's fast food. You know, she brought up when I would take uh, the the teenage foster kids. You take them out to get food sometimes, just to, to do something with them. Yeah, and uh, it was always I could pretty much predict Taco Bell was the go-to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I had a select few that liked something specific. I knew that, so yeah. I'd throw out three options and then their favorite would always be one. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty simple, but then again, you look at that, that's... They're growing up on that. Like yeah. at least growing up, we had some real stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're,
4: we've become very much an instant gratification culture. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much through the entirety of the food chain, you see that change yeah. uh, over the last twenty years, especially. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was growing up, we did not eat out. But that was a mm-hmm. once or twice a year type yeah. of thing. I remember thinking as a child that only rich people ate McDonald's, and I yes. l- I look at that thought now and I'm like, yeah, That's, only yeah. rich people. But yeah, um, it, one of my favorite uh, times of the year was the bucket, the free personal pan. Oh, uh, that was the only time we ate so, pizza. Only kids <laughs> like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> this
3: is one of the one of the times I wish we were recording this like on video and could put this like on YouTube because if you could have seen how every single one of us reacted, Unanimous. the same exact yeah. way, mm-hmm. just this. Oh my gosh!
2: Yes. Okay, so obviously, so I made notes and they're good notes, but we'll use these notes for like four different episodes,
1: apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so.
2: I think I'm the youngest in this meeting of the minds. Uh, um, and I also certain. remember Book It. And yes. I remember like it was literally like a little bookmark, mm-hmm. and you had that. Yeah. Iridescent rainbow fish <laughs> yeah. sticker. Uh-huh. Wait, yeah, the bookmark, we had pens that were pinned to your. No, yeah. no, no, no. The pens, the pens we got were on so yeah. like the have bookmark. You had to have so many stamps yeah. on your bookmark. Yeah, yeah, and then you would get the pen, and then you could put that yeah. on the pen. So it was I just like every ten books related mm. to a sticker that you put on the pen. I guess yeah. I literally did not. I don't remember or maybe book that bookmark at me. all. You, you just
4: know. jump straight at it. I mean,
2: I was
3: straight to the... Pin. I mean, yeah. like... I just kind of... I was a voracious reader. Slowly. Yeah. And yeah. Really yeah. yeah.
4: I, I devoured I books as a child. Something
2: I already kind do, like... Kind of. Of. Yeah. So my parents loved it because they could get their nasty disgusting vegetable pizza it's not actually vegetable pizza it's supreme pizza but like who puts yeah. that many vegetables yeah no don't, we'll don't need that yeah
1: and
4: then
2: you add cheese and then you add carbs and it's a beautiful thing in the world yeah so i remember like we had a stockpile of just bookets because yeah. I would read yeah. so much. Me too. Mm-hmm. And my parents loved it because they could go out and it was yep. almost like date night. And then yep. me and my brother, yep. because we would use my booket for him too, <laughs> yeah. would have our own little pizza. And I remember yeah. sitting there and thinking, I am the queen of the world I have earned this we
0: were gods we didn't even know (laughs) we were gods gods amongst men some some brilliant person was like I'm gonna empower all of these children with the power of the gods (laughs) they're gonna gonna have free pizza they're gonna get knowledge like who came up with that
4: Someone brilliant. Oh, that uh, kidding. kidding. That, so, that person that came up with that needs to be hugged. <laughs> they need to be Hey, who yes. came up with Bucket? Let's, Let's see who so came up with So what was buckets. your go-to? So
3: We're, we're going to give them a the shout-out right now. What was your uh,
2: personal pan pizza toppings? Go. Um, Mine would be, so obviously it was Pizza Hut. Yep, yeah. So I actually adored their um, hamburger. which as an adult I'm super super picky about because if it is not a teeny tiny pinball sized circle of no-nonsense hamburger. I don't want it on my pizza. If yeah. you give me the crumbles that are real hamburger, Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah,
4: you want the homogenized exactly. uh, nuggets. Um, so that was definitely mine. <laughs> but I mean, back Nuggies. then there was also like
2: so much more gluten and whatnot in their crust. So I remember mm. like the crust puffed up. That it was puffed up and
4: it, it crisped more. Yes. Well, it that. was
2: almost like there was a coating of cheese mm. on the crust mm. to give it that flavor. And then it was very, very thick cheese. Have you ever, have you ever
4: had Gindies? Anyone? What?
2: Gindies? Gindies. Gindies in Madison,
1: Hanover.
4: Yeah. Yep. Um, I've had it they literally they have mastered the deep dish it literally is that style of pizza the old pizza hut style mm-hmm. deep dish but with a layer of burnt cheese all around the crust they put it in the pan and then just layer it's uh, a little smaller than the pan so they just so, fill that gap um,
2: it is amazing stay tuned for the goddess catalina's uh <laughs> And And it literally
4: would (laughs) seal the toppings on because it would make a lid. You don't
2: appreciate deep dish that is sauce-based. If I want sauce, I want lasagna. I don't want pizza.
0: I don't want, no. Well, I can tell you from being at Pizza Hut, I worked there. That was probably the best job I've ever had was delivering pizzas at Pizza Hut. I worked the morning shift because I was out of school. So I was available for that. Uh, you wouldn't deliver a lot, but when you did, you'd deliver like 20 pieces to a factory and get yeah. a $100 tip. Yeah, Fantastic. I did the same thing. If anyone's looking for a job, there you go. But so. I can tell you right now that the whole thing with that is when the deep dish crusts come out, they have to put them in and proof them. And the proof is everything. Yeah, That's how you get yeah. the, the how puffy the crust is, how it comes up. <laughs> uh, that, that's a big that's part. That's with all bread. Huge part. And then the, the number one thing because I went through different managers that were there, is how they set the conveyor oven. Yeah. If he nailed that conveyor oven setting... Yeah. It's all timing it and It would be absolutely improving. perfect. Sealed in, every pizza would come out good. You'd have it a little too cold or a little too fast, yeah. and the pizzas would suck all day. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right.
3: What'd you find? Um, we owe our lives, basically, to Bud Gates. Bud Gates. Bud Hail Bud, Hail Bud <laughs> Gales.
4: Gales. Yay.
3: If this says how just my connection to, like, Pizza Hut and the Book It program and everything of that nature, um, when we talk about tattoos, um, I would like to have a sleeve of tattoos. I'm just a giant baby and have not pulled the trigger, but I call one of my, um, I'm going to get a sleeve and I call it my nostalgia sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally, the first tattoo I want is a Book It pin. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Book It was my life. I mean elementary yeah. school like that. It just it was that important to me. Yeah. So Bud
0: Bud Gates. Bud Gates.
2: Good. Thank job you, bud.
0: We'll post know, an article on the Facebook page. The good thing <laughs> about is Book
2: It was I and I mean I think obviously we went to different um I went to a different school system. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I'm not here to like
4: uh, elementary school we all went to different school systems, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay.
2: okay. So private school. I remember the different book-it books. Yeah. And how there would be, like, Babysitter Club, yeah. Nancy Drew. Yeah. And then there were, like, these super short reads and then super, super long reads. Yeah.
4: There was definitely levels. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And
2: I, like, every single one of the librarians that we had at our elementary school yeah. at our high school, like, I knew all of them. <laughs> Me too. Because, like, I was, I was the, you know, stereotypical Bell figure and Brian um, <laughs> and Ella have actually seen it this weekend. I finished uh, three books and
0: yeah. one of them West- in the car.
2: Yeah, so I have I'm a cop- on the to Columbus. Yeah. So that we're talking forty-five, not even forty-five minutes. Yeah, so I, I have a I have
4: I, I'm not a fast books. reader. I, I'm a voracious reader, but I'm not I a fast reader.
2: So I was explaining this earlier. Mm-hmm. So. If it is a factual read, yeah. it is easier for me to break it down. Me too. If it is a um, fantasy world yeah. where you are literally building something in your mind, I will go so slow. So I, last year I like I to did, savor. Right, exactly. Yeah. So last year I did um, four Stephen King books. So yeah. I tried to get into Stephen King when I was in high school and could not do it. I, I think I just picked the wrong ones. So mm-hmm. last year I did... Um, I did... Pet Cemetery, I did Ooh. The Shining, I did Doctor Sleep, and I did It. Yeah. Which if anybody wants to read it and have bragging rights, don't do it. Yeah. Both both renditions of the movie did an excellent job and the parts that you miss yeah. don't really actually matter. <laughs> yeah, Stephen the King's The Shining was excellent. Uh, I've read I the, the
4: Shining um uh, I don't know, as I've aged, I've kind of outgrown Stephen King. His writing doesn't paint a picture for me all too well. Uh, And I don't feel an emotional attachment to his characters. And I love really strange, quirky characters and very character-driven stories. Um, I just read probably the best book I've read this year. I just finished it last night. It's called A Man Called Ove. Um, It's Swedish. It's by Frederick Bachman. I believe that's his name. Uh, But... uh, <laughs> it was an absolutely beautiful book. It's only second book in in all of uh, my life that's made me cry. It was an absolutely gorgeous yeah. book, and it's about an old curmudgeon that just hates Roger. the world. Oh, yeah! yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about this before. It's fantastic. Yes. I absolutely. I read it very slowly. I was only reading a chapter. I I like limited myself because I was enjoying it so much. I limited myself to one chapter a night, so it took me a week and a half to read.
2: Right. Absolutely. So, um,
4: but it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, fantastic book. And I just found out that there's a movie. So um, right. I had no idea.
2: I think, I I think love you'd to really like The Shining. So The Shining gets a bad rap. Yeah. But it gets a bad rap because there's so much history between the director versus the author and whatnot. So yeah. the actual book itself, which if nobody's read it, if you have read it, like please ignore my um, very slow breakdown so the actual book itself yeah. comes from the child's perspective,
1: yeah,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and a lot of it is an internal monologue. It's an internal understanding. I, I started
4: the breakdown Shining breakdown um, of the
1: family system.
4: I, I, my I favorite my favorite Stephen King books, and even th- then I didn't feel like a deep emotional connection with any of the characters or anything. But I love The Green Mile. I love the story oh, of The Green yes. Mile. Oh, and I love Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. um, the novella. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I started The Shining when I was a teenager. I just had started to move on to other things. Uh, I, I like really odd difference. literature. Right. Uh, I, I like really because i write i want you to show me something i couldn't come up with myself mm-hmm. yeah. um show me something completely unique Sh- show me a different angle show me a different perspective um and uh it really has to make me think or feel for me right. to be drawn in and uh, stephen king tends to be very rambling without a point to his rambling like i don't mind rambling but you gotta take I'm me so somewhere
2: frustrated. <laughs> so um we're probably we're probably gonna have to like completely cut this and turn this into like a literary episode. Uh, <laughs> well, we're, we're Justin, out in the Justin weeks. versus okay. the goddess Catalina okay. on, on a oh, book. Stephen King? <laughs> Well I still so, consider it so a... I didn't like Stephen King mm. and I I will say that straight out the gate. Like mm. I was not a proponent of him. I didn't know what was going on. The first story that I tried to read by him was like Liz- Lizzie's story. Yep. Mm. And it was terrible and it was horrible I listened to the audiobook. and I didn't know what was going on. And there's a part with Lizzie's like, story. Yeah, it was a weird name and a weird situation. There was a can opener in places that can opener should. Yes, and Stephen King (laughs) King literally has, he published a dictionary of his own words. Yeah. And there are only so many of them out there. And I remember being a teenager and being so frustrated. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm trying to understand your world and you will not give me a roadmap. Yeah. Rose so, Matter
3: was a Stephen King book I listened to that was very odd. Um, but you should probably check out. It's about a woman that uh, leaves her domestically violent husband. And the reason she leaves is she wakes up and sees blood on her pillow from a nosebleed from where he had smacked her. Uh, and she thought she'd taken care of it. She leaves. She is eventually escapes into, like, a painting. Like, cool. she becomes an audiobook. Cool. Like, cool. very great story. But, like, very odd. And very, like, it's one of those... Kinda of like Leesy's story, like mm-hmm. when I think Stephen King I think of the blood and the gore and the scary right, and like right. this was one of those like bag of bones, like this was right. one of those not.
2: Gotcha. So with the shining, um one of the there's actually a connection between the shining and it. Yeah. Which um, he connects most of
0: his books. Yeah, they're
2: which, all which I take think I think place in yeah, the same universe. Uh, pretty cool yeah. thing and cool. whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um so
0: Dairy I think.
2: Yeah. I think the reason why I like the Shining is because, like, I did not stay in a hotel until I was in high school. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so there was this ideation that a hotel is mysterious, and you are in yeah. a room that other people have been in. I love in, hotels. every room has a different story. Yeah. And I think he did a good job of explaining that, and then he picked apart different bits and bits. See, that
4: would interest me. Yes. I'm. Uh, I, it was
2: almost more of, like, ooh. a Nancy Drew kind
3: of well, adventure. Hey, out <coughs> there. A remake of The Shining, where we basically just start, like, each chapter is, like, a telling of, like, each room. Or something,
4: uh, have you ever seen yeah. Four Rooms? It's uh,
2: I actually just watched that.
4: Thank uh, you, uh, little brother. I love that movie, uh, <laughs> because you made me watch it. You it's didn't, enjoy like, it? I know you're
2: not gonna like this, but <laughs> so you'll eventually it. like it. It's this. a
4: it's four different uh, directors. Uh, each room is directed by a different director, but uh, it's Quentin Tarantino the big name that's plastered all over it, but uh. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is one of the directors oh, interesting. Uh, there's four directors all together or five it's um, a trip it's a okay, trip every a room's chance. it's it's a uh, new year's night um mm-hmm. and uh Everything goes wrong in four different rooms. And uh, it's you, about the bellhop dealing yes. with it. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Uh, that's the type of storytelling I enjoy because it's completely unique. There's and nothing else so like you
2: follow, it. You follow the bellhop. Yeah. Um, for okay. people who haven't seen this, um, it's, it's,
4: uh, it's the same guy that was in. Uh, it's Roth. Uh, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Yes. Yes.
2: Okay. Who, I, who I love because yeah, he's. Yeah, he's a
4: fantastic actor. And so
2: he's the bellhop and he goes to these four different. Rooms progressively throughout the night, and each room is a different situation, yeah. a different, yeah. um, ecosystem. Yeah, a, different a set biome. of
4: characters, different okay. things are happening.
2: You, will, you will uh, literally learn so much about yeah. these people that are in each yeah. room, yeah. And it's almost to me, it almost felt like um, an escape room movie, yeah.
1: Because almost, you
2: have this person, which this can relate back to food service and whatnot. Where you walk in and you don't know what situation you're walking into. Yeah. So you're walking into a choose your own adventure. Uh-huh. And he has to figure out what he needs to do in this room, how to interact with these characters, and oh, ultimately yeah. how to get out of the room. Yeah. Okay. And it's fun. It's yeah. a really, really she, fun she movie. She
4: based uh, how he acted in that movie, and I'm not going to remember. It was an old comedian from the 50s and 60s He based, uh, that had played a bellhop. I think the movie's called The Bellhop. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Tim Roth actually studied that film to play that role. Like, he over exaggerates all of his movements <laughs> exactly. and stuff. And uh, I think it really has a good uh, throwback feel to that film. Kind of silver screen era Um, It's a really interesting movie I enjoyed it And I'm not a huge fan of uh, Tarantino Um, I have loved some of his work But I I feel like I feel like like he can't get out of his own way I feel like he can tell a great story But he Purposely Fucks them up <laughs> He tries to go Way too uh, camp, tr- He tries, tries to, to be Too campy to you, yeah. Too meta Just to prove He's Tarantino and It's very strange Yeah He's, it's like he's drank He's drank his own Kool-Aid Essentially now, the, He's the bought list. into His own Cold of the uh, Genius Cold of the Genius The, the movie
0: he made About the The uh, the Manson family and those murders yeah, yeah. I went into Once that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. that's yeah. it yes. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I went into that absolutely expecting to not enjoy it yeah and I was like I don't want to see that I don't want to know about this again man I've already heard about yeah. this it already makes me sad thinking about it and then the way he ended that I, I was like it. okay yeah. dude you picked the perfect time to go Tarantino yeah. yeah and he had that awesome scene that was the retelling of Gene mm. LaBelle mm. beating up Bruce Lee on a set yeah which supposedly happened Gene LaBelle says that happened so that's that was a that was a cool one. I'll give Tarantino his props on that one, but uh, like the Hateful Eight, I just no. It, I hate he he it. had to just it's, yeah. it's bullshit. Uh,
4: Django Unchained, uh, great movie until the last thirty minutes uh, mm-hmm. when it's just gory blood splatter for absolutely no reason. For, it's a, it's, yeah, it it doesn't like add the guy, to the story.
0: The guy loses himself See, in his own story. Yeah,
4: he's bought into his own cult.
3: Is um, when I read books, when I watch movies, I think I am one of those like how massive like i'm one of those that does like that mindlessness like i just want to be entertained so when that last 30 minutes of blood and gore happened like i'm entertained by it so i'm okay with it like yeah. i don't think about it taking that in the story and i think for me like our level of reading is different in that um I definitely am just much
0: more for the just
4: give me the entertainment Like, See, that, let me, I cannot read brain. just for yeah uh, I got a tie this
0: together and I'm gonna give my sister some shout out right now Yeah. I want you all to think of a book you read where they explained food in that book that made you think oh my gosh that's the real deal my sister has a book that I've read I'm probably one of a handful of people in this world that have read it and I'm telling you she nails it. It's unreal. Really? Yeah. So, and I'm thinking. I was sitting here for a while now thinking about that. When we were talking about. I was thinking about Dean Koontz and Phantoms. Yeah. Dean Koontz and Phantoms. The Phantoms yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. I'm sorry. I knew that. Phantoms I is a great movie. It's a great book. Dean Koontz is a better writer than Dean King. Yeah, I, Just throw that out there. I believe that too. Yeah. It's. It is what it is. But I'm trying to think of any time when they talked about food other than maybe The Hobbit. Yeah. I mean, they talk about it in that.
4: The this isn't fiction But Stephanie Dandler Wrote this uh, Beautiful book Called Sweet Bitter And it Sweet is about Her running away To New York When she is 19 And getting a job At what turned out To be a uh, Michelin star restaurant She didn't know that When she applied And uh, it's about Her just being Fully immersed Into the uh, food world And each chapter It's written in Acts essentially yeah. And each act Is named after One of the tastes uh, mm-hmm. The last one Being umami And Fantastic. she gives a little explanation of what each uh, sense of taste is now, did you know that's uh, a show? i i had heard that i haven't checked out the it show yet show. but I, I read the book i think in 2017 it so, was a great book
2: so brian when you talk about um food the book uh-huh. so i'm going to go really old school okay and uh the
0: bible <laughs> maybe, not maybe not that
2: old. Maybe, maybe not that old. Um, so my first food memory with a book, uh-huh. which is totally not how I thought this episode was going to go, but that's okay. Um, would be stone soup. Oh,
1: uh, <gasps> stone soup. You One are second. literally cool.
2: speaking you know, to my soul right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Wonders I, and Wanderers, you've totally I apologize, missed I really another kiss. just <laughs> unanimous uh, fallback. Yeah. Stone soup. <laughs> Do you remember thunder cake yes oh stone soup and thunder cake were my jams yes there's also one that uh predates thunder cake that's called uh panda cake i think we've
3: talked about this yes
2: so it's it's something that came from my childhood that was my older sister by 10 years favorite book so yeah. therefore it was supposed to be mine and i've not been able to find it again and, uh... She's on it. <laughs> now,
0: Alan, do you I
3: want,
2: want it, it? it or not? Like, Um, I do want it because it's really interesting. So, it is more of an obviously Asian, culturally-based children's book. Yeah. And, um, it's Panda Cake, Panda Cake, Mama's Gonna Bake You a Panda Cake. Okay. And that that's sense. literally the only phrase of the book that I remember, but it was literally like pandas. And it's like yeah. this... Mama Panda, but she's not in an apron or anything. It's literally like drawings of pandas, black and white, just like yeah. with bamboo and stuff like Yeah, that. It and was, it's a caterpillar yellow book yeah. with like the thick cardboard yeah. style. Yeah, I remember. being like in that is a panda Yeah, that's exactly how it looks. So we'll post it up uh, for you guys. Uh, Catalina.
3: I love you very much, but I oh, cannot no. afford to buy this because it's $100 on Amazon. Wow.
2: Someone okay. cherishes
0: that memory as much as you do. Um, it's competition.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to throw it out adorable. there for you guys to buy me a Panda Cake book yet, because we have not had that established relationship yet. <laughs> uh, but that's that's one of the only parts. And I remember I was so intrigued by this book because how the format was. Yeah. So most children's book, it's like, you know, a lot of words on one side and then a picture. Mm-hmm. And it was literally almost like a haiku yeah. amount of wordage. And then this a very simple picture. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Like this is, despite being caterpillar yellow, like this is a very quiet book. This yeah. is a very zen book. And I remember as a child who was very hyperactive being like, what's this all about? What's this all about? What's going on here? Yeah. So I think part of that became a correlation of, okay, so panda cake, that must be a quiet cake. Yeah. Stone soup, which if you hadn't read it, I don't, Know what you're doing with your <laughs> um, but I think stone everyone's ready uh, I hope so. <laughs> right. Stone Soup is literally about community and mm-hmm. how a community mm-hmm. should come together mm-hmm. Around and food. work together. You essentially yeah.
3: yeah. have a pauper come and say, I need, I can make the soup, I need these ingredients. And the woman's like, I'm not going to help you. And he's like, but I've got this. And then, like, she ends up helping him. They actually right. just
0: did a Walking Dead episode that was Stone Soup. Really? Yeah. Which i like, what? Yeah, what? Carol. She's chasing the rat and the, oh, yes. the cabinet, and yes. she had stone soup. It's literally stone soup. I appreciated soup
3: that. At seven so I love. <laughs> and what's crazy is tying this back to food. Um, obviously, stone soup, duh. But my mom's vegetable soup growing up, like, my which mom, I've
2: heard you talk about uh, her vegetable soup when it and gets she cold. has a secret ingredient
3: that I will not share because I love you, mother. Um, that very few people know. And it literally changes the whole flavor profile of the I can dish. vouch for this. It, it really does. And it is amazing, and I love it. And, like, there's none in my freezer right now, and I'm actually sad knowing that there's none in my freezer. Right. And I think my favorite memory, one of my favorite memories with Mom is, I came to her as an adult and was like, I want you to teach me to make vegetable soup mm-hmm. and stuff. And we literally spent an entire Sunday together. And she said, vegetable soup is not a soup that you make. For a tuesday night and you know, she was like it's right. an all-day thing it's a preparation yeah. and we went to the store together i mean we bought all the ingredients and i mean it was a cart full um we get home we start simmering the um the meat because mom doesn't use hamburger she uses like a, a roast mm-hmm. um we uh pressure cook that um almost like it's coming all day it kind of was yeah, it was yeah. An all-day and, she's- thing. and very much cherish that day, mm-hmm. that memory of me and my mom, like, and just that soup, like, and, and you make it in the, the canning, you know, like that, mm-hmm. everyone has that blitter like, speckles, yes. like, canning, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, you make it in that, and mm-hmm. you feed an army, or it goes in your freezer. Exactly,
2: mm-hmm. so, um, for all of our throwaway kids, I think we can all think of something, and especially, not to be sexist, but if you are a female, with your mother still in your life and there is something that she makes that you absolutely adore, take that Saturday, take that Sunday, put in the elbow grease Mm -hmm. and learn how to make it and learn how to make it your own because that will make your adult life so much more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So it's awesome that yours is vegetable soup because mine is, and you guys have both had it before, my mom made um, what was called pressure cooker stew. Mm. So the joke of anybody who knows me is I can't make a soup because a soup is supposed to be light, and I only know how to make hearty things. Oh yeah. So it has to be oh, a yeah. yeah. So my mom had legit the um, canning pressure cooker mm-hmm. that you like would blow up in your face yeah. and it was horrifying yeah. every time you tried to use it. Kind of a deal. Yes. Yeah. Um, exactly. The stockcock. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. on, and you do this, yeah. and like all that kind of thing. So, um, she would make pressure cooker stew, which is literally, um, just beef stew, like not to be mean by any means, but it was a, you sear your chunks of stew meat, which once again, going back to like the sausage and gravy Mm -hmm. that she made, you want to have multiple textures guys. So she had that. And then we were super, super basic. So it was like carrots. It was potatoes. It's beef broth. If you can ever use beef broth. Did you have mirepoix?
4: Um, did you have the mirepoix, the trinity—carrots, um, onions, celery? Yes, but in know.
2: very, very, very sneaky ways. Yeah. So hated <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> we hated <laughs> celery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. me too. We hated celery. We hated celery. So my mom was able to mince it so thin, yeah. which I have done. Mirepoix so often, is supposed lost, to be minced. As literally lost uh, fingertips over this before because mm. I'm like, oh, I have to fool myself when I eat. <later."> for onions and celery and mm-hmm. she would which what i've started to do is you know you put butter in the bottom of your pot you put your onions your garlic and your celery in yeah. and you cook it till it's translucent mm-hmm. at a lower heat because you don't want to burn it or sear it mm-hmm. and then you add in a little bit of your oil and you cook your meat mm-hmm. and you go from there apparently we're good going
3: to be doing a cooking show soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Catalina's> grocery
2: Game. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. It'll be great guys. If you if you want more recipes, we can uh include those in future episodes. Ooh. So I love cooking. Cooking is so much fun. It's such too. a community. It's therapeutic. Yeah. It is. So I I cook through and clean through my stress. Yeah. Which many people have seen before, unfortunately.
1: Yeah.
2: If I could get the cleaning through my stress, that would be amazing. Oh, oh, you say that until you're on your hands and knees <laughs> with a toothbrush going, what am I doing with my life? There are no dinosaur bones. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> house has never been cleaned with a toothbrush and it shows. <laughs> yeah, <that's amazing. laughs> so pressure cooker stew, the one thing that I thought was completely normal yeah. that I did not realize was not was my mom used Barley.
1: Dude. And I will
2: never Ooh. forget barley. the first time when you guys came over, I made pressure cookers yep. too. I and remember. Ella came up to me and she said, what's barley? Exactly. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so you, you know how you have oatmeal <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: and you have those little guys that are super, super flat? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, so I want you to imagine those oatmeal flakes puffed up yeah. with a little bit of texture. Yeah. To the point where they aren't a pasta, but they're almost a bite of bread. Yeah. But they're tiny, guys. They're yeah. like like uh, pinky fingernail size. I love
4: barley, stew.
2: And it thickens yeah. anything you do. Which, yeah. as an adult now, I'm like, well, of course Mom used barley because it thickened it. Yeah. it made it more hearty and yeah. stretched further. Yeah. And I remember Ella sitting on the couch and looking at it. And she's like, I mean, I trust you. I'm a princess. Exactly. <laughs> which is totally okay. And she's just like, I don't know, I don't know. And she tried it and she's like, oh my gosh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, this stuff. is
2: good.
3: <laughs> so are you ready for this? Barley, a noun.
2: A harvest <laughs> cereal that has
3: coarse bristles extending from the ears It's widely cultivated, chiefly for use in brewing and stock feed. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: That is barley. Yes. So barley is awesome. They actually have, I believe it's Quaker brand actually, that has a five minute, quick barley yeah. so if you ever want to spice up your vegetable soup or a stew you can always add that yeah nice yes
0: well goddesses queens and gentlemen I think we probably are close to wrapping this one up and we'll have to follow up on this for oh my sure.
3: gosh yes there's at least two or three more podcasts
0: I, I think we probably need to post some recipes up too yes Maybe not our recipes. You're not getting just my recipes. These recipes were <laughs> if Mom wants to
3: to show that, she can. But I'm not giving yeah, that recipe away. She she so,
0: in recap, I mean, we we just kind of wanted to discuss food today, uh, kind of how it influences us. I, I believe there's a little influence into the the discussion of literature we had, kind of going off on the sidelines there, and uh, you know.
2: Food feeds you. Literature yeah. feeds you. Yeah, they do. yes. choose what you want to grow. Yeah, and um, find your fuel source. Yeah, yeah.
0: That. and ultimately, I think I'm going to call this episode "Bucket." Yeah. I was the hero <laughs> of the day. Yeah. yeah, Book It was such a wonderful...
2: But especially if you guys can find pictures mm-hmm. yeah. of, like, you guys with your Book It yeah. or your pictures yeah. with you with the pizza, yeah. whatever you can find. Like, this is supposed to be a sense of community and growth and positivity, and it doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is where you're going, who you're helping, and who you're building up, and who you're yep. feeding.
1: Yep.
3: So, yeah. So, uh, give me the confidence, sir, kids give me the love let me get that book a tattoo i need
2: a i need the confidence to do that because i want it all That'd right. be a good live episode. It would. I like, oh, get tattoo. It'd like, mostly try. be screaming to be fair. And we'd yeah. have to get our
4: personal pan pizza. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> pan pizza is. As as yes. Yeah, nice. maybe I can call an order. Call an order
3: while I'm getting the yeah. tattoo. There you go. Goals, goals. on life, goals, goals, goals. Hashtag goals. All right, throwaway kids. Thank you guys
1: so much for listening. Yeah, everyone have a good evening. Till next time, stay blessed.